You are listening to the Wool Academy podcast. This is episode number 56. Hello and welcome. My name is Elizabeth Van Delden and once a week we talk to an industry expert from the wool industry supply chain from farm to fashion and beyond, delivering strategies and insights to be successful in wool and showcasing those beautiful stories wool has to tell. Today, I welcome Victor Chesky to the show. Victor is a journalist and wool industry publisher based out of Melbourne in Australia. Victor publishes the magazine Wool to Yarn Global and Wool to Yarn China, as well as the digital news platform Wool News. He will tell us all about his publications in a moment. But first, I, a very warm welcome to you, Victor. How are you today? I'm very well, and thank you very much for having me. Great. I would like to start by you telling us a little bit more about yourself and the work that you do in the wool industry. Well, we are a publishing company. Um, we provide information to the industry about what's happening um, with wool generally. Uh, we very much concentrate on um, early wool production and all the way to yarn. Um, we, we deal with all aspects of, of industry from uh, wool exports to, to yarn. Um, we publish uh, a number of magazines, uh, two magazines, and we have various publications online. Um, we very much uh, concentrating on wool, uh, and um, we uh, believe that the difference between maybe our publications and other publications around is that we try to bring more commercial aspects to our uh, articles. Um, we provide a link to some extent between the buyers and sellers. Uh, we have always believed that it is important to link the production and manufacturing part of the industry with buying part of the industry. Uh, for example, if you are an exporter of wool, we try to provide information which helps you to connect to the wool buyers. If you are a yarn manufacturer, we try to connect with uh, buyers and manufacturers of fabric and so on. Um, so this is, uh, we are a publishing company, we don't buy or sell wool, we just concentrate on publishing. So you're saying you also kind of act like a platform for people to meet and do business then through your publication? Yes, yes. We uh, are very much uh, a link between the buying side and, and um, selling side and vice versa. Mm -hmm. And when you say you focus pretty much on wool, that means you also cover a little bit of other animal hair fibers? Um, we do uh, speciality fibers. We do uh, more hair. Uh, we, we cover um, most of the natural speciality fibers. Um, uh, we have special section in our magazine which deal with uh, uh, various luxury fibers. Um, we, we try to, to um, address each area where our readers are, which is um, you know, importers of wool, manufacturers of tops and yarn, and manufacturers of fabric. Um, we do not do cotton, we do not do uh, man-made fiber, we, we very much uh, concentrate on the natural fiber side. Okay, thanks for clarifying that. And um, someone who hasn't yet seen your publication, how would you um, 
describe it and what kind of content would one find in it? Well, we publish um, uh, two annual magazines. Um, uh, one of them uh, is Wool to Yarn Global, um, and another one is Wool to Yarn China. Uh, each publication has a circulation of 5,000 copies. Um, the, uh, our Chinese magazine is published in Chinese, uh, and it is uh, circulated uh, in China, Hong Kong, and Taiwan. And the distribution of our, of our magazine in China is done by Nanjing Wool Market and China Wool Textile Association. Uh, for people who do business um, in China, those two companies would be quite well known. Um, uh, we distribute our uh, English language magazine, Wool Tian Global, in 60 countries worldwide. I would say that any company which uh, has any interest in wool, uh, from tops to fabric, would be uh, reading our magazines. Um, we also have um, two online um, uh, products. Uh, one of this product is Wool News. It is an electronic newsletter, which is circulated free of charge to 3,000 textile companies around the world, and it's a monthly. Um, and we created a, a selling platform for the industry called uh, woolbuy.net. Uh, this is uh, online website where people can go and uh, sell or buy wool tops and yarn. Those um, online publications are, are free of charge to both sellers and buyers, and um, uh, we're quite proud of this uh, online presence. It seems to be doing really well at present. So did you see, like, did you get a lot of requests from people telling you, oh, I want to sell or buy something, and that's how you came up with the idea, or how did you start this WoolBuy.net? Um, our our uh, WoolBuy.net is uh, a website where sellers and buyers can um, meet, uh, if you want to call it that way. Uh, the, the wool buyers can list uh, the products they have for sale, and the buyers can go through those products and see uh, what, what's available to buy. We are a publishing company because we don't sell or buy wool. We're independent from this um, trading side, and and people feel comfortable using our platform because we do not have an invested interest in, in selling or buying wool. Uh, the listing of wool uh, is free of charge, so anybody can go and list their product in there. Um, I also notice that there's a lot of communication going on between buyers and sellers, but we specifically exempt ourselves from being able to see this communication between buyers and sellers because we felt this communication should be kept confidential between the two parties. So um, if you ask me who is buying what, I do not know. I, I, I can just see that sort of a, a traffic coming to the website, but yeah. I, I'm not <laughs> privy to, to the communication between buyers and sellers. Um, at present, there is uh, probably about three or four hundred listings on that website, um, and um, I think that um, considering it's been only going for about sixteen to eighteen months, um, I think it's doing reasonably well. Yeah, that's that's nice to hear. And I I looked at it as well, and I saw it was um, often from countries who may not have their own selling system, so they are making use of your service and because they don't that's have very other. True. 
Yeah. That's very true. There is a lot of listings in there from countries um, outside of your normal uh, wool-selling countries, such as Australia, New Zealand, or South Africa, for example. Um, and that also allows wool buyers to see some different type of wool available, some different type of yarn even uh, manufactured in some other countries. So um, uh, we feel it's open a new venue for, for the industry to, to try to tap into. And it's also providing quite a lot of um, space, um, advertising space, if you want to call it, for those exporters who are based in those countries, uh, like Iran, Iraq, um, and, and so on, which do not have the selling system. So it allows them to promote their product worldwide. Yeah, it gives them more market access. That makes it quite interesting. Mm. Yeah. Oh, yeah, that's great. And now I would like to talk a little bit more about you um, as the person, Victor. Um, how did you get started in the wool industry? And if I'm correct, do you have a slight, if it's Russian accent in your Australian English? Yes, I'm sorry. I'm sorry about that. No, I, I love accents, so, <laughs> but it makes you a very um, yeah, interesting person to ask, how did you actually get into the wool industry? I started um, in 1980s in New Zealand. Uh, I was working for a daily newspaper. Uh, that was my uh, introduction to sort of publishing uh, business. Uh, and in 1980s, uh, the biggest wool buy in the world was Russia. And uh, the way I was dropped into it, shall we say, was um, by the New Zealand wool exporters who have asked me to produce a magazine for them to promote New Zealand wool to Russia. So first of our publications was actually published in Russian in 1986. The Australians have found very interesting that New Zealanders do that and invited me to come and do one for Australia. So for some time we were publishing two separate magazines, one for Australia, one for New Zealand. Um, by beginning of 2000, the market have changed completely and China was dominant uh, in buying wool. So um, I was asked to change the publication into something which Chinese can, can read. The difficulties at that time uh, was that communication between China and outside world was very problematic because of the language problems. So the, the Chinese language publication was a necessity for the wool industry at the time. So I started publishing um, our publication in, in uh, Chinese, um, and then we added on, uh, later on, an English-language publication, which uh, was extended straight throughout the world. Um, and the industry have embraced both of those magazines, and um, it's been going sort of stronger and stronger every year, which we were pleased about, obviously. Um, Indeed, yes. And um, <laughs> that's how it all started. And we're, actually, we're actually celebrating the 31st year of publishing this year. Wow, congratulations, that's yeah, excellent. Yeah. <laughs> and uh, what then, I mean, to kind of, I guess it seems you kind of by accident got into the wool industry, but then you kept at it for now uh, three decades. So what fascinates you about wool? What motivated you to continue? Well, I think the right answer would be the, the fiber itself, the wool, uh, which is a quite amazing fiber if you if you look how it's grown uh, and where it's grown, 
and if you look where it's finishing up to be in what variety of different products. But for me, I think the biggest fixation, if you want to call it that way, was um, people around the wool industry. Uh, when I started in the wool industry in the 1980s, uh, the wool industry was dominated by very, very strong personalities. Uh, people with all sorts of um, uh, interesting uh, ideas, and um, it was just um, very, very um, interesting to, 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 to talk to those people, to communicate with those people, and work with those people. So um, my answer to this question probably would be people, uh, just extremely uh, interesting people, which I met over the last 30 years. Um, now looking back at it, I actually think it was quite amazing the number of people I met, and um, I'm very grateful that I have the opportunity to meet so many people. Yes, and that brings me also to my next question that I wanted to ask you, that um, you actually travel around the world quite a bit to meet all the different customers uh, or companies that you write about. Um, so tell us a little bit more about this traveling and maybe also what would be your most favorite wool destinations in the world and why? Uh, the world is uh, endless fascinating, endlessly fascinating place. I, I travel quite a lot and get very tired of it, but it is quite amazing the places some, I sometimes visit. Um, not very much uh, sort of um, touristy type of places, but out of the beat places uh, where some of the manufacturing is done and so on. Um, I very much believe in face-to-face -face meetings with people. Um, I think it's quite important, and that's why I, I travel quite a lot. To say that I have some favorite places, I don't really, I can't really say that I have a, a favorite place, but um, there is some places which I always love to go to. I love visiting your home country, Germany, um, because sausages do hold a special appeal for me. <laughs> um, I also very much enjoyed traveling um, in South Africa, visiting people there. But I'm coming back to the same to the same issue about people. Um, it's not so much the places which attracts or become favorite because of the place. It is more to do with um, with people who you meet there. So you probably have some meetings you're looking forward to because you know the people are nice and so on. Um, That's probably my answer to that question. If that's okay. <laughs> yes, it's a very diplomatic question. Although I don't know how German sausages relate to wool, but um, we can just leave it at that, that you like German sausages. <laughs> and I'll leave it, I'll leave it, I'll yeah. leave it at that. <laughs> so, but then let me ask you, you are also then an observer and a document of the wool industry. And is there actually something that you can see from looking at the industry that maybe the people who are working within the industry don't really see? Uh, the one thing I've noticed um, in the last couple of years um, is the rapid change, um, particularly when it comes to innovation and new development. Um, The other change in our industry, I think, is the fact that the customers uh, today demand uh, functionality 
uh, from their garments, and they want them to function at multiple levels at the same time. Um, and industry um, is quite well addressing those issues, in my opinion. Um, uh, the innovation side is, uh, you know, a lot of companies innovating quite new products which are using wool for, and the products which have traditionally been using wool are now getting more and more into very much functional uh, wool fiber. Uh, I must say that it's very much um, to do with the finer wools. Um, I do have concern for a crossbred wool side, which I think is lacking this innovation drive. There is not that many new developments, new products uh, have been developed um, with crossbred wools, and I think this is one of the reasons why the industry is struggling um, at present. Um, so the main, the main change, in my opinion, is how scientific the wool industry become from um, 50 years ago just manufacturing suits and manufacturing carpets. If you look today, uh, we manufacture so many different products which uh, consume wool, from shoes to bags to uh, proof, um, rainproof coats and, and um, using them in computers, using them for, for insulation, using them for, for, for all sorts of things. And I think that's probably um, a, a very big um, change from my perspective, uh, which has happened in the last couple of years. And do you also see something like on the horizon that will be like a new trend that will hit the industry? Um, I think that one of the most um, interesting developments, which I could sort of sense, um, is innovating, sort of coming up with the products which have not usually utilized wool and um, now looking at doing so. Uh, and it's mostly to do in the building industry. Uh, I think there is a lot of... Uh, products which uh, the wool industry as uh, the, the building industry uh, can develop using wool I know we've been using carpets for hundreds of years and so on but I'm not talking about that I'm talking about um, a paneling I'm talking about even building walls and and, and building um, uh, fiber optics using wool cabling and all those sort of things uh, I think that is going to be uh, an area which if the industry can keep up with Uh, developing and innovating uh, processing of wool in such a way that it could be utilized in this type of industry, uh, it, it would be a major, major lift. Um, we, we need to step out a little bit from, from carpet and from garments and start looking further afield, if we can, as an industry, uh, to, to create that extra demand to keep the prices up keep it at a level where farmers still producing wool okay thank you that's really interesting um perspective and yeah i guess everyone's always so focused on what they're doing but sometimes it's necessary to just lift our heads and kind of see where we're going as a whole as well and then i would like to also talk a little bit about um your magazine and what um I guess, you know, I'm also very passionate about communications and getting the message across. So your magazine um, gives the opportunity to companies to also um, get their message across. 
and communicate about themselves. And is there something you would recommend to the businesses that, you know, advertise or write articles um, that they can do better in this area to tell their story? Yes, I would very much uh, recommend that to, to, to everybody. Um, I don't think that anybody is going to buy a product from a company they don't know anything about. Um, I think that communication is very important. Um, I think that um, our industry is not large. There's, there is a um, not that huge number of players, but there is uh, a number of players, in my view, who do not know what the other players are doing, and that's sometimes a lost business opportunity. So yes, I would very much recommend companies to um, be visible. Um, and I'm not talking about advertising in particular. I'm just talking about generally um, not be shy to come out and say what what they're doing what, and what they would like to do with other people as a joint ventures and so on. Um, I think that this communication is fundamental. Otherwise, um, you just get slaughtered by your by, by your competitors who who do better communications than, than you do. Um, there is all sorts of way of communicating, um, not just magazines. There's obviously all sorts of online options and uh, presentations for conferences and so on. But yes, I very much recommend for companies to be visible. Um, I also would like to make a point, maybe, um, if people do listen um, to this type of um, uh, sort of presentation from me, is that I find it quite interesting dealing with a lot of companies around the world. How little attention those companies uh, pay to their existing customer base. Every company I visit want to promote their products to, to increase their sales to a new customer base. And it's, and it's obviously very right thing to do. But everybody seems to be ignoring the customers they already have. And I find it quite strange because those customers are not necessarily going to stay with you. They, they might move to your competitors one day, and keeping them is just as important as, as bringing the new customers on board. And to keep those customers usually takes very little effort because um, they're already there. But I find a lot of companies just completely ignore that particular side of their business. Um, and I would very much encourage companies to c communicate more, but communicate more not just with regards to the potentially new customer base, but to communicate to their existing clients, to keep reminding them that they're doing the right thing by buying from them. That's probably one of the strongest points we try to communicate to, to our customer base because we very much value our customer base and we look after them. Yeah, and I guess by talking to your existing customers more, you might, you know, get new business opportunities because you are more informed of what they're working on, what they need, and then you can react and offer and be a partner of what yeah. they're about to do as well. Yeah, no, I, that's true. And I guess that's um, basic business advice, but I guess, yeah, it seems always more inspiring to get new customers than keeping the old ones. But yeah, I agree totally what you're saying. And then another question in relation to that, um, you also publish your magazine in Chinese uh, or like dedicated to the Chinese um, target audience. And 
you already also, I mean, when you said in the beginning how your whole company started is because there was this communication gap um, first between to, towards Russia and now to China. Um, and yeah, is there still today a big communication gap between China and the rest of the wool industry? And is there something that companies can do to better overcome this gap? Yes, I believe so. I believe so very much. Uh, the communication gap um, is still there in a, in a quite a big way. Um, I know that a lot of um, Chinese companies now employ quite a lot of staff uh, who speaks English, um, but I still believe that um, the decision-making within most companies in China I still have the language barrier because they do not speak English, so everything needs to be translated to them. The barrier, which in my view is constantly there, is that when you rely on a translation from um, people in China, you actually never know how accurate this translation is. So when people travel to China or want to communicate to Chinese, the level of translation is very important. Um, We publish our magazine uh, in China um, for, for many, many years and uh, have quite a lot of experience with um, um, printing in Chinese. Um, but, but to answer your question, yes, I believe that the language barrier is still there. I think that um, a lot of communication is, is misunderstood or not understood fully. So for our industry to develop... Um, communication to China in Chinese would be extremely beneficial. Do you think like if the communications improve, what would be the benefit for both sides? Do you think there would be more business or more innovation or what would happen? I think that business uh, would increase. I think that um, a lot of um, companies in the West, look at China as a, as a problematic uh, area to do business because of the language barrier. Um, I also know that the Chinese sometimes uh, come to do business, for example, in Europe or United States and unable to succeed because the language issues, because some things were misunderstood or not properly explained and, and so on. So uh, there is still quite a bit of work to do. Um, some companies uh, in our industry are already very well set up in China because they have uh, been in China for many years and they have developed uh, a strong communication link in Chinese with local uh, Chinese representatives there and so on. But for a newcomer coming to China, uh, language is still an issue. Um, and I would just recommend to the companies to use uh, people they know can, can deliver their message correctly. Um, and if they are promoting themselves in China through various magazines and so on, uh, or online services, that they um, uh, be careful and, 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 and be sure that whatever they're saying is going to be understood in China. Yeah, often the symbols and um, values can be quite different that It could be maybe something. Um, yes, it is. And, um, yeah. I, I, our, our Chinese magazine has been published in China for many years. And um, we consistently 
ask our Chinese counterparts in China to uh, check everything uh, before we go to print. And um, uh, some of the texts we publish in our magazines are very technical texts to do with wool testings and to do with um, uh, textile machinery, engineering side, and so on. Um, so um, we, we're quite proud of, of the fact that we think our uh, our Chinese um, publication has been um, well translated uh, and well understood. So feedback we have from China is, is quite positive. Um, but generally, communication can be a real problem, and um, we as an industry probably should put a bit more effort um, in communicating with people uh, in China, if you consider how important that Ch China is for, for manu a manufacturing base for the wool industry, um, yes, I think we should put a bit more effort into it. Mm -hmm. Okay, that's that's a good advice as well. And you just spoke like, yeah, there are magazines and there are online um, magazines now. How do you see the publishing world develop Will printed magazines still be a format in the future, or will everything be online? How do you see it going forward? Um, we very much rely on our printed magazines. Um, I'm very well aware that online services is marching on and the industry embracing them, uh, not just in our industry, but in, in, every, in every type of industries. Um, I'm not sure that printed format will become a thing of the past so quickly. Uh, we have gone from drawing on a rock to writing on scrolls to printing paper, and while the next step is certainly part of that evolution um, will be online, we still think that the printed matter or printed magazines um, provide uh, a very trustful source of information. And the word trust is probably the most important part of it. Uh, uh, I'm not trying to, to diminish online publications. I'm just saying that for some reason or another, we found that our customer base very much like to have the magazines, physical magazines. They can flick through it. They can refer to it. Later on, um, we, we know that a lot of our readers keep the magazines in their drawer and from time, from time to time pull it out as an information uh, link if they want to find a name of a person or a company somewhere in South Africa or Zimbabwe or whatever it might be. So um, I do accept the fact that the online is marching on. Uh, I do accept that a lot of uh, publications are moving online and we're doing the same with some of our publications but we do still think that the printed matter still have uh, some time to play itself out yeah and i guess it's always it's the same like buying um, fashion online or in store and for the moment it seems both can work quite quite well next to each other and complement each other and that's probably also for some time going forward the same for magazines that can be both in printed and online format to just complement and however you need to use it at each point you can have access to it yes i agree with that mm. 
Great. Now, my last question is, again, more of a personal one before we come to an end. Um, you already spoke a lot that actually what fascinates you about the wool industry are the people. But maybe is there like some event or some experience that you had working in the wool industry that is your favorite moment that, or like a story or anecdote that you like to tell over and over again? I, I don't know if I can answer that question. Um, I don't necessarily have um, a favorite moment. Um, for some of us who have attended the Nanjing Wool Market Conference, uh, would know that um, one of the highlights for the Nanjing Wool Market Conference is a, a dinner, which is attended by about five, six hundred people. And um, it's a dinner which followed with entertainment, and um, it's 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 quite an interesting event. And I attend that conference every year, and every year I get amazed at amount of business, at amount of drinking, at amount of communication going on at that dinner. And what fascinates me is that majority of people there cannot speak any English, and they are communicating with people who cannot speak Chinese. And for some reason or another, in this particular dinner, it seems to be okay. The people seem to understand what 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 it's all about. Um, it's it's very fascinating to watch uh, how how this communication going on between between five six hundred people in one big hall. So if you would like. Um, To point out one particular event which I find quite fascinating, it would be that um, a banquet at Nanjing Wool Market Conference. Yeah, that's <laughs> actually also one of my favorite moments. And those dinners are amazing and hard to believe how, yeah. And you're right, what you described that, that yeah, you do communicate with Chinese, although you don't speak their language. And it's, yeah, it's a really special event. I agree. So now let's come to an end with our interview thank you so much for your time um where can our listeners find out more about your magazines and your online platforms where should they go uh we are very easy uh, accessible online our publications our magazine publication can be viewed uh on www.wool2yanglobal.com and number Two is a number two, wool number two, yarnglobal.com. Um, our online uh, publication for newsletters and our buying platform uh, for wool bike would be viewed at www.woolnews.net and www.woolbuy.net. Excellent. So, and I'll make sure to also link to all the sites that you just mentioned on the show notes so that people can find it very easily. Well, Victor, thank you so much for your time today. And I hope all goes well in the future for your publications as they are so valuable for the industry. Thank you very much. Thank you. Bye-bye. Bye-bye. Hopefully you enjoyed our little talk today with Victor Chesky. Victor mentioned a lot of different websites today. If you did not catch them all, head on over to the show notes of today's episode to find everything that was mentioned today. 
Go to elizabethvandelden.com forward slash 056. Once again, elizabethvandelden.com forward slash 056. Don't want to miss out on any of the future episodes? Then subscribe to our podcast on iTunes or Stitcher and also like us on Facebook at Elizabeth Van Delden. Thank you and see you next week.